one. Hey everybody, welcome to Kingdom of Honor. This is your host, Zanman Shane Sabunia, and my good buddy Jeff is right along with me. And you know, I'm, I'm going to start off with a, with a, something I don't normally start off with, Jeff, and that I'm just going to ask you a question. Please did don't. You get, did you get a chance to watch the Dark Side Ring? No, I didn't. Because I don't know if you no, know, but it was, it was about the Chris Benoit tragedy. Yeah, and it, it's on my list. I just haven't gotten a chance to do it yet. The reason I ask is because I had a much different reaction to it, I think, than a lot of other people did. You know, you and I covered Chris Benoit for about, an, what, an hour? Um, maybe a little bit longer. On our, I think it was our very first episode of um, our Desert Island series, you know, Racked with right. Wrestlers. <clears throat> and you and I had both kind of been, you know, of the opinion that you know, we can love the art even if we hate the artist. Right. Um, and, you know, so I think there's a lot of people out there that just, you know, wouldn't watch a Chris Benoit match. And you and I would still watch the matches. We just would think, you know, we would just focus on the artist doing the work and the art rather than on the man behind it. And the Tales and the, and the uh, I almost said Tales from the Dark Side, but it, it might as well be called that, Tales from the Dark Side of the Ring. But um, anyway, the Dark Side of the Ring um these, uh, this two-part episode or two-hour episode, you know, it was originally filmed to be two hour, a two-hour show, and it was actually ended up split up by the network into two parts, which are both available on YouTube now for free. Um, tonight's episode is the Life and Crimes of New Jack, which I'm also looking forward to watching. Um, but for me, um, <clears throat> for a lot of people, watching this was kind of cathartic, like. You know, now I just kind of see, you know, the man behind it, and I see <clears throat> what may have led to it. And now maybe I, and now maybe these folks can go in and watch a Chris Benoit match, and even be able to enjoy it or appreciate it. For me, it was a complete kick to the gut, man. I mean, watching this thing, I was getting physically ill. Um, I was kind of like going into dark places in my head. Um, I watched the first part, and then I was like, I don't even know if I want to watch the second part. But I did. I struggled my way through it. It was brutal. And now I'm kind of, and now I kind of had that role reversal. And now I'm not, I'm not sure I ever want to watch a Chris Benoit match again. It was, it, was, it, it, it was that moving and that deeply affecting for me. See, and maybe it's because I haven't seen it. I still have this, like, I don't. I mean, you have to put some blame on Chris Benoit because of what he did. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine there's so many other wrestlers out there that don't do that thing, uh, you know, that don't go to those lengths. But at the same time, how much of it was because of, you know, all the steroids and, uh, and the tr concussions and the trauma to his head and, you know, things like that. So I, I guess I'll have to see it for my own opinion. But I, I'm still under the, still under the guise of um, of enjoying the artist, not the or enjoying the art, not the artist. Yeah, and and I totally get that, and and you know a lot of it wasn't simply his act; it was it was like and what he did to his family. Although that was obviously you know nasty and brutal and terrible, and you know one of the worst things you could ever do is to kill your own wife and your own child. Um, but a lot of it was just the effect it had on other people. Like, you know, looking at the, seeing how, how Dean Malenko is now, you know, how it affected him, how it affected Chris Jericho, how it affected Chavo Guerrero, how it affected Vicky Guerrero, um, how it affected Daniel, or I'm sorry, David Benoit, the, his oldest son. Right. Um, and, and just hearing what David's gone through with people on Twitter, and, and if you did this, if you did this, I don't care if you listen to my show or not, you're a complete fucking asshole dick bag of a human being that needs to be... Um, strung up um, people harassing David Benoit on Twitter for what his dad did. I mean, come on. That's just ridiculous. See, um, and I, and I get that. I get people like Malenko and Vicky and Eddie who, and Chris Jericho, who were great friends with Benoit having, um, you know, mixed emotions and, and genuinely being hurt and upset. But for anybody to harass any of these people involved, like David, should just be strung up plain and simple that's uncalled for you're ruining a kid because of something that someone else did exactly exactly and and, uh, and you know david could you know david had this platform and, he, and and they asked him you know what would you say to these people and he didn't say 
you know, when I said, you know, you guys are a bunch of dick bags, or you should be strong, fuck you, or anything like that, um, all he said was, please stop. And that's the kind of good guy this man is, you know. Um, you know, I wish David, I wish David nothing but the best in, in his life. And, but you know, as far as this show, and like, you know, I, uh, I told Melissa about it. She's like, wow, cool, I got to watch that this week. And I said, well, I'm not watching it with you. <laughs> I just, I don't think I can ever watch this show again. It, it was that dark and moving and affecting to me, and it, and it put me in a bad mood for about a day and a half. So, um, so I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I think any wrestling fan should watch it, especially someone who was. Chris Benoit, who and who was a fan of wrestling during that era, but um, it's not something I could ever watch again. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm gonna skip it um, simply because I have my own version of Benoit formed, and I don't. As interesting as it would be to hear stories of people going through, I don't. We have enough crap going on in this world right now. You know, and part of that will come up later when we discuss the Wrestle Talk show. But it's just I I don't want to have any more negativity right now. I just want to at this point I want to focus on my kid, my job, and things that I enjoy. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that that earlier today too. You know, um, it it's it's a weird time to be a pro wrestling fan. Right? I mean, you you and I always think talk about how this is a great time to be a pro wrestling fan because of all the organizations out there, all the access there is to it, the streaming services, um, the affordability of the ticket prices for some of these big promotions, um, all the touring that's going on. You can pretty much go anywhere. You know, New Japan has come to the United States now, which is just amazing. Um, but also, like, right now, it's weird to watch wrestling the way it is right now. And, and you, know, you know, Impact has five more episodes in the can. So, I mean, we, we can still watch Impact and, and see a regular pro wrestling show. Um, Ring of Honor is, is doing some compilation shows and also showing some matches they never, they never shown before. Um, they're doing some hidden gem type stuff on there. Um, we know what AEW is doing. We know what WWE is doing. You know, I, I'm really excited to see WrestleMania this weekend because I want to see what it looks like with these this mixture of um, cinematic style matches and, and what they do with it. I think it's going to be unique. Um, but also, I thought about the fact that, you know, for... For months, I wanted to watch these Dark Sides of the Rings that I missed, or these the wrestlers episodes that I missed, and they were only pay-to-play on YouTube. And now, you know, you can still buy them on YouTube, but they're actually available right now to watch every episode of both of those Viceland series. But with so much, with all the dark stuff going on right now, I'm like, is this really the right time for this show to be coming back on? Even though it's a, you know, it's a great show, it's in-depth, it's well-produced, but like you said... Um, I don't know that I need any more darkness right now when um, it feels like the whole world is caving in, kind of. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of people that, and I know why they're doing it, um, because this, people are starved for entertainment. I just, I'm not personally in a place where I want to put myself through that. I, I especially don't want to have anything sour my mood on somebody that I enjoy, and... I, I've never stopped enjoying Chris Benoit matches. So, yeah, I, yeah. If I were you, at least at the, you know, at the point, I do not think I could recommend this to a, a person who's still a fan of Chris Benoit. You know, yeah, then I won't. Then I won't be watching it. Period. Yeah, won't I happen. I don't blame you at all. Um. So you know, let's move on to the sh- you know the show that. Well, do you want to move on to MLW first? I want to. I want to get the MLW out of the way, to be honest. And I'm trying to. I'm trying to look up results for it. But basically, the whole reason we, you know, Shane and I were huge fans of MLW for what, pretty much all of last year, until AEW and NWA started up and really started pilfering their talent. Um, Including. Oh yeah, yep. Ring of Honor too. They you know took Roosh. They we took finally, PCO. We finally, yeah, we were finally going to get Roosh against L.A. Park, which you know they they tried to do in CMLL and it didn't work because of contracts. They tried to do it in MLW and then Roosh got signed right in, right off from underneath them. And it, it's just it's just like I guess this match is just not destined to ever happen. I think the final <laughs> blow for me was um, the departure of Callahan, and then shortly after that, Jim Cornette, because um, I think Cornette was such a driving force to their creative. That his departure really, really kind of turned it down, and it's sad because there's there's still guys in the promotion I really like. I, um, My, Myron Reed is still one of my favorites. I love Alex Hammerstone. 
I just I think these guys are incredibly talented, but as much as we liked them a year and a half ago, it was a struggle to watch these two shows. The first one was good. The ending really, really kind of sucked because um, there's nothing I hate more than a dream match ending that way. That second night, that second show was just god-awful from start to finish. There was nothing about that second one I liked, and that includes the eight-man match. You know, I totally agree with you about the first one. You know, the, the first the first show was was pretty darn good from start to finish, although, you know, the start of it, really kind of soured my stomach because it felt like because because one reason i said you know what was really got me is like you said jim Cornette leaving sammy callahan leaving but also that it, it started to feel like i was watching the same show over and over again yeah because because it would always start with um injustice in a match and then and then the next thing was always the heart foundation against um the dynasty you know yeah. and, then, and then we'd have something involving you know either tom lawler or Loki or um, um, I can't remember even the stable anymore. But um, country, no, no, oh, Procionas de la Rado. Yeah, Procionas de la Rado. Or we would have um, oh, now I just lost or Tom Lawler out there or the or the Von Erics. You know, I mean, it was or always, country or country unit doing another promo. Yeah, so I mean, it was. It just felt like the same show over and over. And this show start, and that show starting off with Myron Reed in a match was like, "Are you kidding me? You guys have not evolved from that." Even though he's the middleweight champion, but, but that yeah, was a hell of a match. It was. <laughs> that it was, was a really a, good match. Yeah. You know, and even the Mance Warner match, which I I'm not I like a, I'm I'm a fan of his character, but I see where his character gets stale, and I I feel like we're still still watching the same character we saw six months ago. I don't feel like there's been any evolving in Mance Warner's character. Um, and then to have the match that he had, which was just kind of, uh, whatever. Yeah. See, I'm, I see. I'm so good. I, I agree. I guess his character hasn't evolved, but I still, I still do enjoy him and maybe just, you know, cause I haven't seen him in three months. It's, you know, I was able to, to put that aside and that's why I did enjoy in that second episode. I did enjoy his segment, even though it involved the blue meaning in it. Yeah, and I mean his site that was it was entertaining and Richard Holiday's an entertaining guy too and then Blue yeah, Meanie. That's what I was gonna say is Richard Holiday also is gonna you know he definitely piques my you know keeps my interest too. And he's he's kind of taken a leap forward in that MJF role. Um so his character in three months has really evolved. Um I I I don't know who this guy, if member of the dynasty, some guy that they just brought in, um, made no sense. I, I, him being undefeated and then losing to Mance Warner, I, not really sure that was a great call. But I mean, I, I, kind of get it. I guess I just, I wasn't impressed with that match. And then there was, there was that second. There was a contra segment which they. Really, I don't know if it was mistiming on the announcer's part or if it was planned that way or what, but uh, for Rich Bokini to say, oh, later on we're going to have a video from Contra. Well, guys, you only got 15 minutes left of the show. It's just going to come next. Oh, yeah, there's Contra's music. And, and, also, and also, like, since when does Contra announce that they're going to do a video? Right, they just cut into the broadcast. You know, it, that whole segment just felt weird, and the fact that he was, well, we're gonna later on tonight, we're gonna get a segment from Contra. It's like, come on, guys, we have the main event. MLW never ends on a segment. Let's really, and then Contra's music plays. So that was that was a little disheartening. And then the match that I was looking forward to started out to be a hell of a match, but why do you end a dream match in that way? Especially when one of the guys you don't need to protect. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, unless Killer Cross, unless that was part of the deal, is that, you know, Killer Cross was already booked, but WWE didn't, you know, was insisting on him not losing, something like that. I, the only, only reason I can ever see that, I can see why that would happen. That was just, that was just a bad decision all around. And, and, then, and then in the second episode... Um, that was just garbage from start uh, to finish. Well, I, I could, episode, you know, I, I have to say that you know that might have that might have been there was a segment on here that might be, have been the worst wrestle crap thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, the cooking segment. Yeah, the cooking segment with the with the huevos and sausage. 
The only what thing, the, hell? the only part of that entire segment I liked was when LA Park started bitching about the fact that MLW couldn't pony up for spices. Yeah, but it took <laughs> too long to get there, man. And it was so, and it was in Spanish, so it's not like I mean, by the time it got to that, I was already out. So I wasn't really reading the subtitles anymore, and then all of a sudden a, a word caught me, and I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. I started reading again. But, yeah, that was uh, – could that be the worst segment of all time in wrestling history? <laughs> it's got my vote, brother. <laughs> I, I'm trying it, to it, think. I mean, I mean, it's even worse than Choppy Choppy Your Pee Pee. It really is. No, it's, it's – It's terrible. It, you're right, it is. Val Venus, you just got bumped out of the bottom spot because that was bad. That was really bad television. I mean, because I mean, I mean, really, I mean, really, probably the the two worst in history were probably Choppy Choppy my peepee, and then Bart getting his ass kicked in the in the uh, brawl for all, right? Yeah, but Bart legitimately got his ass kicked. That wasn't a that wasn't a, a produced segment. There wasn't any creative behind that. It's that was Bart. Rap. That was Bart getting his ass legitimately kicked by a, a real boxer. Yeah, I know that, but still. I mean, I mean, we're right now, as far as the worst segments in wrestling history, there is this one, which could be the worst ever. There is um, Choppy Choppy Pee Pee, and there is the uh, um, introduction of uh, the Stormtrooper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, you know, we, we in also, his also, glittered, glittered stormtrooper mask. There's also Brooke Hogan's horrible acting at her wedding, but I suppose that. Oh uh, yeah, that's, but all wedding segments—that's just a given. <laughs> Has there ever been a good wedding segment ever in wrestling? Um, probably, probably the best would have been Test, Test, and uh, Stephanie. Test and Stephanie just, or Triple H and Stephanie. Test and Stephanie. The way that Triple H cut in and and, and uh, you know revealed that he had married Stephanie. Yeah, that was great. I, outside of that one, I can't think of another because I I don't know Stephanie getting pedigreed into a cake wasn't that interesting and I don't know most most tele or wrestling weddings are awful but the that one might have been the only good segment I've ever seen on a on a wrestling wedding. Yeah. Good, yeah um. <laughs> I guess I guess you know you know not good but other another interesting one was the Billy and Chuck commitment ceremony. You know? Yeah, that was fun. I guess that was. Wait, we're not. No, no, no. <laughs> this has gone way too far. <laughs> All right, that was entertaining too. But there was something about about a passed out Stephanie with Triple H um, being a puppet master at a drive-through uh, marriage ceremony that still piques my interest. I can still watch that over and over again and laugh every time. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so these, yeah, the, unfortunately these episodes, you know, felt, did feel, did fall flat for me. But I'm, but I, but I'm still not with you on Matt Warner. I still think he's, I still think he's great. I still enjoy I think he's, him. I think he's talented in the ring, but I think he's a Jimmy Havoc-ish type guy to me where it's, and like Sammy was a couple of years ago where I've, I don't know that I've seen a wrestling match from Mance Warner. I when I started to see wrestling matches out of Sammy, when I started to see him out of John Moxley, when I started to see him out of Jimmy Havoc, I appreciated what their hardcore style was a lot more. I haven't seen that out of Mance yet. Even his wrestling matches seem to be a little bit too hardcore for me. Yeah, I guess you know. I guess you know. We saw this one. This week was a pretty straight wrestling match, and I, I remember him having one against um, um, Alexander Hammerstone too. For me, right now, Mance Warner is the same guy that I saw three, four, five months ago. Where there's no character growth; it's still all about his light beers and the pay window. Um, and then he has hardcore matches. There's nothing outside of that. Like his his promos aren't compelling they're not you're not hanging on his words to find out what he's going to say next you already know what he's going to say next it's something about a knee pad it's something about a thumbs up it's something about a light beer and going to the pay window you know something that was he, he had such an entertaining shtick in the beginning that really got old and it stayed old 
I and that's it. just and that's just my opinion. You know, I, I, there's going to be fans like like we said. That was one thing on the Wrestle Talk um, show that they taught, said too is wrestling is subjective. You know, and I'm like, hey, we say that all the time. You know, it, it's true. There's going to be people that like him. It's just for me, his character, his his matches, nothing with him is really sticking. And if he's going to be the focal point going forward, it's not. I don't know. It, it's not really because. In two episodes, clearly he is the focal point of the show. Jacob Fatu, Contra Unit, they weren't around. Alex Hammerstone had a bit piece in one segment, um, one backstage segment, and that was it. Uh, you know, and those are probably the only other guys on that roster that I could see building the roster around. Davy Boy Smith, as much as talented as he is, and he's not a good talker. He proved that twice in two nights. You know, two he had a chance at two promos and he fumbled over his words in both of them. You know, Tom Lawler has just never been that. He he had a stretch right before he won the world title, where I felt like he was on top of his game, but he's still not. He's still relying too much on his MMA background and not just his own personality. So I mean, if, if you look at the guys to build around. You've really got two or three, and two of them weren't even on the shows. Two straight shows, they weren't even on them. Yeah, that's very true. But I, but I really do like Richard Holiday. I think he's growing in. I think he's really growing new into his own. I love his character. I think he's a strong yep. wrestler. Um, he's got great comedic timing. I think he really could be a star at some point. You know well, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. He he really fills in that MJF role that's been vacated. He is he is definitely the leader of the dynasty, and um, he really fills into that role. And his um, my lawyer slash father gimmick is still I still chuckle. You know, it's still one that I really like. Do you think they're ever going to have a payoff for that? I mean, do you think they're going to have him show up at some point and end up being like somebody famous or something? If they're smart, if they um, figure out how to long term book, then yeah. Is Mike Rotundo still alive? Because he'd be perfect for that role. You know, and Holiday kind of looks like him. That's what I, I mean. could de- I could definitely see him as a brother to Bo Dallas and uh, and Bray Wyatt. Yeah, because he does have that look to him. He does. You know, he kind of he kind of looks like an older version of IRS. To me. I mean, he's definitely got you know the body style of Randy Orton too, but or or even. Uh, um, uh, I can't even think of his name right now. But anyway, yeah, he is he is tall and lanky, but not skinny like Orton was. Right. Like Orton, I think at one point in his career had zero percent body fat. I think so too. At least when you looked at him, it was I've never seen any man, even Luger, chisel, uh, chiseled that well. And it was nice to see that Brian Prickman is the is a champ would be the year winner now. So what the fuck? I literally lost all respect for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. <laughs> literally. Well, it's when, and fans I'm, that voted for it, man. But I'm watching. How? How are there that many fans of Pro Wrestling Illustrated that even know who Brian Pillman Jr. is to know what the gimmick is with him in MLW? Best the, guess is they saw his name. They barely barely hit a hundred thousand viewers this last couple of weeks so how are there that many people out there that even know that brian pillman jr exists to vote him as rookie of the year two years in a row and it's so weird considering that um you know aew has got has got has this monster presence on national tv for the last well i i guess on national tv only since october but i mean you know they had they had the announcement in January. They had those specials, and you know you had people like Sonny Kiss and Nyla Rose and Darby Allen. You know that are, yeah. maybe maybe are not technically rookies, but are rookies to the national scene. That you but would they be cons- would have those kind of votes? You know, would they have been considered? I guess it depends on who they threw out there for Rookie of the Year. But I, even I, Jungle re- Boy, brother, even Jungle Boy, you think would get more votes than Brian Pillman? Now that I think about it, Jungle Boy, this is only his second year in the ring, isn't it? Yeah. Like Darby, Darby's only been around three years. You know, yeah. so these are guys that should have, that would have won it, not 
it's just it screamed to me like th- that pro wrestling illustrated how could they buy into an mlw gimmick uh, um and, and i could understand if this was because we're the one organization that's going to give me any credibility <laughs> fair enough i but if you think about it if this had been a wwe gimmick Let's say you know they had, and I, I can't even think of who to who would be arrogant enough. But you look at uh, uh, the guy from um, what? Uh, uh, oh shit! He wrestled on last night's um, Raw. He was in that one-off promotion, Evolve, that we were watching Austin for a while. Theory. Austin Theory, like Austin Theory, that kind of thing would fit his gimmick perfectly. Why is he, he could have been Rookie of the Year. He's he's only been wrestling for two years. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And that would have fit his gimmick perfectly where he could have been in the running for, uh, you know, rookie of the year again next year. You know, and he could have, you know, found some way, some loophole or something. But Brian Pillman Jr., that to me, that was just it was a payoff to a gimmick that doesn't exist anymore because the Hart Foundation doesn't exist anymore. And Pillman Jr. is not that, um, you know, he's still a prick, but he's being a prick as a baby face. So he's not that arrogant heel gimmick anymore. I just it doesn't fit his character. It doesn't fit his it doesn't fit anything. And I lost all respect for Pro Wrestling Illustrated because of that. Right. And I you know, I really hope that this isn't something like going forward for the next you know, year where it's the rating and two time rookie of the year. I'm very sure it's going to be, but I think it's a really bad I think it's a really bad look and a really bad gimmick, honestly. I when for, he for, for for a guy that I think is a prick anyway. When he originally said that last year, it it kind of made sense because it felt fit his cocky gimmick because he had just turned on Conan and he had just turned on uh, somebody else. There was another um, old school wrestler that he turned on that knew his dad. Uh, and I can't remember the name, but uh, he just turned on a couple of guys. He had just turned the hard, uh, you know, joined the hard foundation. You know, he was on fire with his gimmick and everything, and it made sense last year. But it's probably something that should have been forgotten and just let run away. I thought of one more name that could have easily won this over Brian Pillman, and that's, and that's Flamita. Oh yeah, oh definitely, definitely. Yeah, there's a there's and a few should, and, and Bandito should have won it last year over him for. For damn sure. Well, that's why I, I'm losing respect for Pro Wrestling Illustrated to even put their name behind this. If MLW, if it had been MLW's Rookie of the Year, that would have been one thing. But to, for it to be PWI's Rookie of the Year, eh, all right, guys, I don't believe anything you say anymore. Sorry. Sorry. It's just the way it is. <laughs> I don't blame you. Should, should, we, should we move on? Um, do you want to talk about that eight-man match? Okay, I mean, I thought. What the, what the hell is there to talk about? I thought Lawler cut an you know, interesting. Actually, 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 no, you know what I'll say about that match is it it was not what I wanted it to be. No, it wasn't. I I, I wanted it really it, you know it started off with it being a four on four brawl all over the arena, and that's what I wanted the whole thing to be. And it should have stayed it, that way. Yeah, I didn't want it to be an actual wrestling match. I wanted. In fact, I thought about this like when the show was starting. I was like, this thing should be. These guys are fighting all over the arena the entire time. The the bell should never actually ring. And, you know, if they had done that, I think I really I would have enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than just watching uh, Rip Van Rip Von Eric, you know, get um, first of all, do, first of all, doing a, one of those lame female style low blows. To right. Boy Smith Jr. But then, you know, he being he him being the one guy, not a, not even a guy that's a, that, you know, to me, seems like a real wrestler to me is the one that gets, you know, gets punked out by the Von Erics and um, and Killer Cross. There was there was so much wrong with this. I, and and that's kind of what I, I I mentioned the opening and the only reason I wanna I wanna talk about it is because there was just so much wrong and hopefully MLW you're listening and you can learn from your mistake. But Lawler was in the middle of a great heel promo. I'm I'm not going to deny it. He was in the middle of delivering a great heel promo to start the match, and then the crowd started chanting using explicit language. And he went straight from heel to babyface saying, hey, guys, there's kids in the audience. And then he ended the interview. He ended the promo right there. And it's like, wait, what just happened? Stick- you, you, thought, you thought that was a babyface move? Because I thought it was kind of like he was kind of like showing the crowd what pricks they really are by, 
by saying something like that. If he had gone on, to, in my eyes, yeah. in my eyes, if he had gone on a little bit more chastising the crowd, I would have been in that same boat. But the fact that he goes, guys, there's kids in the audience. This crowd sucks. And then handed the mic to the ref. I did like how he called the city Philadelphia. Yeah, I did. I like that, too. That was that was fun, but to me, to me, if he had chastised the crowd a little bit more for being pricks, then I would have been like, "Oh, okay, okay, yeah, cool." He's you know continuing, but the fact that he just went, "Guys, there's kids in the crowd," and then he just said, "This town sucks," and handed the mic to the um, to the ref, kind of made me feel like he was even uncomfortable with it. Like it was a little bit, it was a little bit too intellectual of a comment for a guy for Tom Lawler's character. Exactly. If it had been yeah. three doing it, then it would have been fine. Right. But because it was it was the character that he's got and everything, it just felt like he was he was uncomfortable with the situation, just like I'm gonna end this interview. If he was smart, what he would have done is he would have extended that interview and we could have gone past that whole stupid table shot at the end and just done the interview and or done the promo an extra minute and a half or something and just ripped into the crowd ripped in the crowd for being awful parents and and putting their children you know putting children at this kind of disadvantage you know just whatever he could have done freelanced it done something but just the way that he did it it was like ugh, ugh. and then i, I don't know what was more distasteful for me the, t- the table shot um the low blow by rip von eric or the fact or that the rip fact that K- or that f- the fact that king mo joined team filthy at the end of the show the fact that Rip was getting his ass kicked and the other three were like, ah, let's just beat up on the Von Erics. Yeah. You know, you you got a member of your team getting destroyed in the ring. Don't you think maybe one of you should dive in and help him out? Well, I think it was kind of like he was just like the sidekick for the team, really. He's not even one of the, really one of the team is the thing. Well, he joined them because he was a Von Erich is literally the role. It was one of those situations, but you know, they did help him out of the ring. It's not like they left him there. They did. They did eventually help him out of the ring and help him to the back. And he fought alongside them, you know, to close the show. So, you know, it, it with, it's just the way that they, they built book. These characters were such is such uncharacteristic of real life that it, or, you know, of their character development or how they're, you know, portraying. Like, they portrayed poor Rip. Uh, he was uh, like the Howard Finkel when uh, Jericho had Finkel um, following him around. That's kind of how they, they portrayed Rip. And then, but then at the end, they saved him. I don't think I ever saw Jericho save Howard Finkel. Or, you know, who was the other guy? Uh, or who was the other? Yeah, or Rufus? Yeah, and who was the other guy that um, Ellsworth in the whole AJ uh, Dean Ambrose feud? Why AJ, did, ne- why, why did you have to bring him up? But I'm just saying, it, it, it's Rip. Rip is kind of that same character where he's the punching bag, he's the joke, mm-hmm. but nobody ever tried to save him. AJ never tried to save him, not once. Ambrose never saved him, not once. But they saved Rip, which made Rip kind of come across as more of an integral part to the unit and not the joke. So then why did you let him get punked the way that he did? Very true. Well, you thought you thought really in-depth about this match. It's just those – I'm really into like those really subtle, intricate details. Like it, – when you see a guy get kicked in the shin to have him grab his shin, you know, four or five moves later, that's something that's huge. That that brings so much more to the match that isn't normally there. And when you see little little things like this that just go beyond common sense, it really stands out. And, and I think had it been done differently, I think they could have told a great story. Um, from start to finish in this match, I, I think they started in a good way, but then ended it. And then they went another direction and then ended it. And then there was a whole nother direction. And then that ended. And then there's another, you know, it was too much start and stop a storyline for me. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I uh, it's too bad because, you know, we, we did, like you said, we, we were such a big fan of this organization. And I really, I really do want to tune in again when they have the empty arena match between MJF and 
um, Matt's Warner, you know, who leaves MLW, which I'm guessing is going to be MJF. But well, I would have done it had there not been that stipulation. That that was my problem because we already know MJF is leaving, so we already know the winner of this match. So I, it, it just. You care about spoilers, so what do you care? I want some drama though too. I'm sure I'll watch it, but still. <laughs> All right, I'm done with MLW. <laughs> Speaking of drama, um, obviously I knew you know, when I watched No Fans Monday last night that the main event was B Priestley taking on her boyfriend, the guy who organized the whole thing if not the greatest, one of the top three wrestlers in the world right now, and Will Ospreay. But you know who I forgot was on the show, Jeff? Who's that? The Cream in Your Coffee. Your favorite oh. wrestler's favorite wrestler. I've the been Jewish looking for The physical embodiment of professional wrestling. Did you write all Bernie this down? Sanders of professional wrestling. The best of the best. Mr. American Rana. Davey Wrestling. The 104-minute man. The main event. He's really good at Twitter, and he's independent. The king of taunts, the product, David Starr. I love David Starr. He needs to shave that mustache off, but I love <laughs> David Starr. He does, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, that's awful. But no, is, I, I love... You know, I, is it wrong that, that the uh, Osprey and um, Priestley match was maybe my least favorite match on the entire card? See, and I really liked that match. I thought my two favorites were, I, well, actually three, because I thought there were three really solid matches. I thought this David Starr match and Callan Newman was was great. I really liked Fletcher and Mills, and I loved the Osprey Priestley match. I felt like the Osprey Priestley match maybe went on about ten minutes too long, but I loved it. I loved what they what they did with it. I loved the fact that they made that Will didn't treat B like the impact wrestlers are treating um, Tessa, even though the announcers tried to sell it like he was treating her with disrespect. I felt like there was just way too much. Um, I, thought they, I thought they tried to make it too epic between the two of them. Um, and I felt like there was like a lot of laying around in that match. You know, yeah, they, they did some great moves. You know, the last five minutes was spectacular. But I think I thought building up to that was just too much. Like, you know, I, I hit a move. You lay around for two minutes. I'll hit a yep. move. You hit a move. I'll lay around for two minutes. You know, and I and I just couldn't get into it because of that reason. And I that's what I'm saying. I felt like the first 10 minutes, um, it went 10 minutes too long. And the first 10 minutes was uh, dragging. But once B dropped uh, Will on his head on the apron, that's when I felt like it picked up, and I enjoyed every second after that. You said 10 minutes too long, and I'm thinking, I think between the entrances and then the, and then the end of the match, it was, oh, like, I wasn't, it, was, it was like 30 minutes. Yeah, I wasn't counting the entrance. And I was talking just, you know, it was, it was I think I want to say it was like a 17, 18-minute match. Okay, so if it was only 17 or 18 minutes, and I agree with you, I think 12 minutes would have been perfect for that match. Right. But I was thinking, like, so like, even taking the entrances out, it was probably like twenty-five minutes, and then it was like half, which means it's twice, it's two times too long. Yeah, I mean, I I felt like the beginning and the oh, it's his girlfriend, and oh, blah blah. I thought all that stuff in the beginning was awful, but once B dropped him on his head on the apron, I every second after that match, I was I was on enjoying. I enjoyed every second of that match after he got dropped on his head. And that's fair. Um, but I, you know, I was, and I, I'm not really exaggerating. I mean, it definitely wasn't my least favorite match on the card. It's probably more in the middle for me because I loved, like you said, Fletcher against Mills. Um, that match was just fucking awesome. Right. Um, it really was. So was Davis Sar against, um, I can't remember what his opponent's name was. Callum, Callum Newman. And the kid is, he's only a 17 year old kid. That dude is a man. I don't care if he's only 17. I would be afraid of that kid. And those guys told a great story. Um, and and that, right, I, and love, I love that five way scramble match. Um, and I love the. I had. Match. I think my issues with the, if if I had issues with any of it, it would have been that five way scramble. Okay. 
I and I, I'll get to that in a second. But as the David Starr Callum Newman match was a great story that was told, not just in the ring, but everything that led up to it—the interview in the back, the introduction of of David Starr, the you know the heel performance out of David Starr, even though he, you know he's. David Starr is one of the biggest baby faces in the on the globe, um, but he he did a really good job of being that that heel character that is has disdain for this young kid who's coming in who he thinks got got it all handed to him. I love their you know the interview in the back the the way that they you know started the match leading into it you know, just everything about this match I absolutely loved. Everything. Me too. I, I really enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, and like you said, like like you know the backstage interview with you know Star insisting that the interviewer give him the full the full announcement that I that I just read off it. And I swear we've added at least two things in there since the last time I heard him announced. Um, well, the the independent is new. I know that because he never he was never uh, known as the independent before. That's a new that's a new thing to it. I but I, the King of Taunts was added in there too. I I believe so because I don't remember that either. But I think my favorite part of his whole interview was when he made him stop, go back, read the line again, and then start up. You missed the line. You missed the line. Go back. Go back. No, no. Yeah, it's yeah. Now, now do the Brady line again. Yep. And, and, I, no, it's not Americana. It's American Rana. Right. No, it's spelled right there. <laughs> yeah, I I loved his performance in the, in this match. And he's he's kind of the new Kota Ibushi since Kota Kota has signed now with uh, New Japan and he, you know he's no longer that independent guy. David Starr has kind of become that new Kota Ibushi, and he's proving every time I see him. And I I loved him in Defiant. I loved him in, you know, pretty much any promotion I've ever seen the guy in. I absolutely love him, and and he did not disappoint again in this one you know his just his persona everything about his everything about him except that mustache i loved yeah that mustache was was kind of crazy really oh that was, was. brutal uh, he need, he needs to shave that off yeah you know i i actually had, had uh, texted my wife last night and i said um david stars ring interest is even longer than it used to be she's like who <laughs> and and the way i explained it to her is is he is the most accomplished professional wrestler on the planet that's never been signed to a major promotion has he never i thought he worked with tna for a little while not that i ever saw uh i'm I'm not gonna look it up but i could be wrong but um i could have swore he was i mean he does work for rev pro but that's kind of i don't know would they be considered like the ring of honor of of england and they kept calling Rev Pro an independent promotion, but I don't, I don't really see them as an independent promotion because they're kind of the showcase for England. I feel like, and 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 this is probably wrong considering like the recent results I've looked at for them, um, the recent cards I've looked at, but but for quite a while, like I I kind of felt like they were like New Japan's British affiliate, you know, um, you know, all their champions were either were signed to New Japan. Their, their British heavyweight champion is still signed to New Japan, right? So you know, but yeah, I mean, they're I I think they're independent. I think they're an independent promotion. I mean, I mean they, de- they definitely have links to Ring of Honor and New Japan and CMLL, but and there might there might be like the largest independent promotion besides Progress, but I would still say they're an independent promotion. See, and I've always viewed them as kind of a Ring of Honor type show where they're no longer a independent, but they're not up with the big dogs yet. I don't even know if there are any actual like major promotions in Britain. Well, not if Rev Pro's not. I mean, Rev Pro and Progress are the two biggest, and and we know Progress is an independent. And if you know, they pretty much said in this show that that um, Rev Pro is too. So, right, exactly. Um, the only my only drawback on this entire show, and and I loved it. I. I I'm starting to really enjoy the no crowd feel because it's allowing me to form my own opinions on the matches. Like I'm and, not, and, and I, you know, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, and I felt like this show did it even better than the other ones we've seen because there was no chairs out there at all. It, it didn't, you know, you you didn't, you know, wonder, you know, why are the chairs empty or even think, oh, they look at all the empty chairs because there were no chairs. Right. 
Sorry, go ahead. I, I, my only issue, and I, Osprey's promo at the end um, was great. I, I loved the way he, you know, made fun of his girlfriend but gave her props. I loved his uh, when he kept sticking his the mic out to the crowd, and even when he was talking about the crowd. No, you're awesome, Will. Oh no, no, you're awesome. I, I thought all that was fun. Um, but my only issue with this show is more on a social level, and maybe it's because we're watching it two weeks after the fact. And now this coronavirus has, you know, become a bigger deal and it's more, I I felt like they made too light of the situations, Um, you know, with Will saying that they're going to go out and have a beer and cough on each other and that Chuck Cyrus trying to give everybody hugs and, um, you know, even Mercedes Blaze putting on her, uh, her rubber gloves. I felt like they just made too much light of the situation. But then again, too, that was two weeks ago, so they didn't have the same kind of information that we do now, and things have gotten so much worse over the last two weeks. I think the other thing you have to consider besides the timing factor is that it's also a show that was made um, by British professional wrestlers, and they probably assumed that most people watching would be British fans. And... Um, because you know, you know, hardly anybody knows who these who the, most of these guys are on this show. I mean, you and I know who Kyle Fletcher is, uh, you know, and, and, and who Nathan Cruz is, in addition and, to the big names on here. But, well, and and Malik and and uh, Robinson and you know, I mean, we've been following independent wrestlers, especially a lot of these guys are from Defiant, mm-hmm. you know, which we watched for a while. So, you know, we've got kind of our feet in the ground on a lot of these people and a lot of the names that we saw. And I, and I think just, you know, a lot of the British sense of humor is kind of, kind of be self-deprecating and also, like, poke fun at whatever's going on. So I, I, so I, I do think that this was, you know, a lot of it was just kind of like the British sense of humor shining through. Yeah, that's possible. Um, and I really enjoyed Adam Max. Max so, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping... I did, too. I mean, he's, I, he looks like he, he is a five-tool player. I I really liked him too. I thought he, him and uh, there was one. Well, Malik I've always liked. Um, he's always been a guy that I've liked. And there was one other guy in that match that stood out. Uh, what, what was his name? Um, that Paul Sayers. Okay. I felt like he kind of stood out too. I wasn't a fan of Chuck Cyrus. No. No, I I just and I think I was until the ending when he tried to hug everybody. And I just, I, I felt like he played his big guy monster character greatly, but then he tried to go with that soft side Otis type feel, and it just soured me on him. Gotcha. Um, I'll tell you who I was not a fan of was Robbie X. And maybe it's just Which is because weird because I loved Robbie X and Defiant. I really did, but I, I got the same feel. I was like, this guy is nothing special. Why do you keep doing that to him? Yeah, and I think that's probably what it, you know. A lot of what it was is you know the announcers were like, "Wait till you see Robbie X. You're not going to believe your eyes." And he wasn't, and he just looked like generic Luchador number fourteen. You know? Which um, you know, it, when he was in Defiant, he was a lot better than generic Luchador number fourteen. So I don't know if it was just the way the match played itself. I don't know if it was because they were trying to put over Cruz and Steel so much. I'm not sure, but this was not the same Robbie X I remember from Defiant. I don't remember Robbie X from Defiant. Unless I never saw him, but he obviously did stand out. To me. He um, kind of he kind of came on towards the end when you stopped watch you stopped watching right before he really started, and I kept okay. going with it because I was, you know, I was because re- you gave up on it after that one, um, after that one. Uh, pay per view that kind of went sideways, and they had to ca- uh, change three matches on the fly. And I kept watching. And a lot of that's the reason why I like um, Kyle Fletcher so much. Granted, I like Aussie Open better, but I do like Kyle Fletcher, you know, and I do like Paul Robinson. And um, a, a lot of the reason I like El Fantasmo is because I stuck with Defiant and really got to know his character and, and the stuff that he was capable of. So when I come at you with the El Fantasmo being great stuff, a lot of that's because I've got a little more history with him than you do. 
and I've seen what this guy's capable of against lesser opponents. Now seeing him do that same thing against bigger opponents and better opponents is even more amazing. Gotcha. Yeah, I, you know, I would say that um, this entire show entertained me, um, but the, but the people that really stood out to me that are that would be people that now I'm going to go out of my way to, to to watch if I see that they're on a card are. Kyle Fletcher, who I already liked as part of Aussie Open, but who, 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 who really astounded me as a singles performer. Yep. Um, Connor Mills, who I'd never seen perform, but perform but was just awesome. And then that Adam Max that I really want to put, kind of follow his career from this point. Forward. And of course, David Starr. Yeah, but I'm I, saying, but I'm saying guys that, that really like, you know, that that shine brighter to me than I'd ever seen him before. I'm really interested in watching this Callum Newman. Yeah, that's a good and, idea. And seeing that guy too. Absolutely. And seeing his career, considering he's only 17, and just, I thought, you look at a match and you watch guys, and you can tell when AJ Styles is carrying a guy. You could tell when Bret Hart was, or Shawn Michaels, or, I never got, and David Starr is is unbelievably talented, and he's put on great matches against a lot of top-ranked independents, and I've seen him in the ring against, uh, you know, Rampage Brown, and, um, you know, other guys, he had that match against El Fantasmo that I thought was amazing, and I've seen him do great things in the ring, but I never one time got the feeling that David Starr was carrying Callum Newman. I felt like Callum Newman, as a 17-year-old kid, was standing in there toe-to-toe with him. Yeah, and that was pretty impressive. Uh, well, very impressive, actually. Right, David, so I mean... Because David Starr is, you know, one of the best professional wrestlers on the planet. So. Oh, absolutely. And it, it's a shame that he's not... He's one of those guys. And, you know, we kind of talked about this, about Kenny Omega and AEW. Anybody who's an American fan, anybody who's a wrestling fan, Japan included... Because let's face it, even Japanese wrestling didn't get to see Kenny Omega on a weekly basis. And now you get to see Kenny Omega, a guy who is bar none the best wrestler in the world, and he goes out and proves it time and time and time again. He's so fluid. He's so good on the mic. He's so good with everything that he does. David Starr is another one of those guys that I feel like could be there at some point. He's a little bit shorter, not as built as Kenny, but he tells great stories in the match. He's got a great personality and a great charisma about him, and his entrance is still one of my favorites with all the introductions. Um, I just, I, I really wish that David Starr would sign with somebody to get that weekly. Well, okay, not sign with somebody. Sign with somebody other than WWE because I don't think they would really know how to push him. But if he could sign with a major promotion that would know how to push him and get the exposure, I think David Starr is a guy that could be talked about as one of the best wrestlers in the world in the next few years. I just, yeah, I, it, it just, it just depends how he's used. Because, like you said, he, he doesn't have this. He doesn't have the, the size of guys like um, Osprey or or Kenny Omega or the other guy I put in the top wrestlers on the planet. And, and it, people are lucky to get to see on you know with, on national television and. and uh, Ray Phoenix as well, um, right? But I think you know David Starr is every bit as talented, just in a different manner. He's in that Brian Daniel or um, Daniel Bryan mold. He is absolutely. Where he's not going to be that or, guy uh, that or Austin Aries or CM Punk. He's not going to be that guy that's going to wow you with his size and his flashy moves, but he's going to be that guy that goes out there and gives you this unbelievable performance every single time out. And he, or, you know, another guy that – and it's hard to – I guess you can't compare him because, you know, when we talk about – we talked about innovators last week and the week before and everything. One guy that we didn't put in that was AJ Styles. Look at how many moves in AJ Styles' repertoire are things that nobody else has ever done. Yep. Not only has nobody else ever done them, nobody else is doing them now. He's been doing them for 20 years. Wasn't it something to see two guys on this show do the spiral tap? Yeah. Yep. That and uh, there was somebody else recently that I saw do uh, AJ's forearm. And I can't remember where it was. Osprey but does it. No, Osprey does it, but there was somebody else. I think I want to say it was Myron Reed on the MLW show we watched. 
yes, I think he did, but he did it differently. He did like a spring. He did like a spring from inside the ring onto the onto the and sprung back off with the forearm. Right. Yeah. It, but it was so similar to what AJ does that. Uh, but if you look at it, did anybody do the Pele kick before AJ? Uh, if not, if they did, it wasn't anywhere nationally that we could see it. And now you had uh, in this show alone, you had Robbie X do a double Pele. You had, um, you know, uh, it was, I, I want to say it was Carlos Ramon or Romo that did a Pele. You know, but you don't see things like it. When we saw the spinal tap a couple of times, but you don't see every now and then you'll see a wrestler break out the Styles Clash. But you know, we talked about innovators of of offense and move. You know, with Alex Shelley and um, and oh, I can't think of something. I um, the Mortis, the guy that played Mortis, and um, Chris, not Chris Sabin, but um, Shane Helms. We talked about those guys being innovators of of moves and people that you know have copied those. Is the reason why most people don't copy AJ's moves is because they're so uh, amazing that you can't copy them? You know, I've always thought AJ Styles was the greatest dropkick in the history of professional wrestling. Um, he's got oh, that that's tough. That's <sighs> he's got that great suplex neck breaker. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the, I'll give him that. He's got the phenomenon. You know, the the Kibrata into the reverse DDT. Um, and then he's got a move I don't think I've ever seen anybody else do, which is that. Um, kind of kip up into the into the Frankensteiner. Somebody did that on this show. I think they did something similar, but I don't think they, they quite hit, hit it the way that, that AJ does. Well, they meant, they even mentioned, I remember them saying, the, and bringing AJ Styles' name up in yeah, it. I, I, I do too, but I, it wasn't the same. Was it Scotty Davis? I think so, yeah. It was definitely in that match. If it, if, so I think it was Davis that did it, yeah. Because I remember hearing them say that, and I actually rewound it and watched them. Like that's not AJ's move. Why are you even comparing that? Exactly. <laughs> but they, uh, you know, what else? There's one other thing AJ does too. That it's. I was I was actually thinking about this right before, and I know we're you know up against the time here and everything, but I was thinking about this right before we went on the air about we talk about the goats. Um, you know, in every, I'd say probably 10 years, a new batch of greatest of all time show up. You know, there was Flair and Hogan, and then there was uh, Bret Hart, and there, you know, and then Shawn Michaels, and then all of a sudden, you know, here comes Austin and Rock, and, you know, these guys. Now I think we're to a time where if we're looking at the greatest of all time, I still have, you know, Flair in my top five. I still have Shawn Michaels up there, even though I hated his personality. I loved his work. Bret Hart will always be there. But I would have to say probably my two goats right now are AJ and Chris Jericho. Yeah, they definitely are for me. And you know, the, the other thing about, about AJ with his moves is the moves that he did were perfect for his body style. Right. So, I mean, I mean, we watch guys like Osprey try to do the stuff that AJ does, and, and it looks good, but it doesn't look great because Osprey's just too lanky for those moves. You know, I mean, it's great that he can do them, and he's, he's so athletic and amazing, but they don't look the same crispness and grace that AJ did them. And I think a lot of that is because uh, isn't Will about four inches taller than AJ, too? You know, there's a lot, there's a lot to it, but you can definitely see a lot of, uh, a lot of AJ Styles and Will Ospreay, a lot of influence there. Um, and it was nice to see Paul Robinson do a Robinson special. (laughs) I really enjoyed that. That that made me really happy. I don't know why, but that made me really happy. But all in all, I thought this. Happy to see Bruce do the uh, Chicken Nando's. Chicken Nando's. Yep. I I enjoyed that too. That was that was fun. I, I, I don't know. I thought once she dropped him on his head on the apron and he just stayed there, I think that's when that match really picked up and I enjoyed everything after that moment. Yeah, it just took a long time to get there. Was what was my point. Way too long. Way too long to get there. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely I – w- I, there are some people I'm going to watch in the future. I, like, I've kind of checked out Paul Robinson from he, you know here and there. I'm definitely going to watch Adam Maxted going further. I'm going to watch Paul Sayers. Uh, I'm going to watch Callum Newman, of course, David Starr, of course, Kyle Fletcher and Connor Mills. Um, you know, those are, those are guys that I'm really going to – really going to pay attention to and if i ever get a chance to see him again i'm definitely going to do it and i hope that 
even if wrestle talk doesn't put on a show like this again i really hope that somebody does because this was this was enjoyable and i'm really starting we're what two are we three weeks into it or this will be our third week now with the no fans coming up on AEW and I'm not going to lie. I am starting to really enjoy it because I'm, I'm enjoying being able to sit down, watch a match and not disagree with the crowd because of what I see. (laughs) That's a very fair point. Um, But I wanted to say before I forget that, you know, you and I talked about when we saw the opening match on, I don't even remember what episode of the, of the uh, it was, but it definitely had a dynamite when it was Nick Jackson taking on Bree Phoenix. And we said we could watch these. We'd love to see these guys in the best of seven. Right. I feel exactly the same way about Kyle Fletcher versus Connor Mills. Oh, that would be guys. amazing. I'd like to see those guys go out there and just kick each other's ass for a series of matches. And that was another thing it, is that match actually felt more real than any of the others. I mean, there was the, you know, the arrogance of star against the fighting spirit of Newman trying to prove himself. There was, you know, the Nathan Cruz thing, but Nathan Cruz is Nathan Cruz no matter where he goes. But there was something about Fletcher and Mills that just the fact that they were willing to hit each other that hard to open up cuts and stuff mm-hmm. with no crowds god that was a good match it was very good i loved it so, All right. so anyway guys um i'm gonna i don't know you have anything else i guess no i was no i was go, you go ahead um guys i gave all of our um current patreons a month free um you know we've been dealing with um coronavirus coronavirus and um you know adjusting to working at home and children and you know shane and his wife and you know we've been dealing with all this stuff behind the scenes so we haven't been able to do a patreon show for a couple of weeks we haven't done our normal youtube show for about a month now so and i know times are tough for everybody so i just as appreciation to our current Patreon listeners, I did give the month of April for free to anybody who's a current Patreon. And I also set it up last week so that if you join after the 10th of the month, you will get the remainder of that month for free. So right now, because I gave the one month um, to everybody, anybody that joins starting now, will get the month of April for free just to check it out and see if they like it. Nobody will be charged until May 1st. And then starting on May 1st, anybody that signs up after the 10th of the month will get the remainder of that month for free. Um, the It will actually kick in uh, the you know May 1st, June 1st, and so on will be the payment dates for donations to us. But be sure to check it out. It's patreon.com slash kingdom of honor. Lots of free stuff on or lots of stuff on there, um, including hopefully depending on WrestleMania. And if we can even get it in, we might start that up again next week, but it's probably going to be the week after because Lord knows WrestleMania is going to be like 14 hours of, (laughs) and we didn't even talk about that Roman reigns thing. Um, you know, and also uh, head to our YouTube, youtube.com, uh, search pay, uh, Kingdom of Honor. All of our shows are now live on there, including one exclusively live monthly show that we're going to do. Hopefully someday we'll get back to doing it twice a month like we've been doing. But right now I'm going to commit to once a month. And then, of course, Twitter. I'm at Regi Co-op. He's at Zanman L-O-P. And use hashtag DAD and hashtag KOH for everything. And like Jeff was saying, next week we're planning on covering WrestleMania. You know, this coming uh, Saturday and Sunday, they're doing a show each night on the WWE Network. It's also available on pay-per-view for, conf- for conflicting price points, so that's interesting. I don't know if you saw this, Jeff, but there's, but apparently there's there's one price out there for I think it's um I can't think I think who, I can't think who it is, but that, that it's like thirty dollars for the first night and sixty dollars for the second night. Jesus, Mary, Mother of God. <laughs> Roman Reigns must have been on the first night. <laughs> and these are not uh, these are not prices that you know WWE says. WWE wants it to be one price for the two nights, but of course they don't get to make that decision. It's, so know, what? It's ninety dollars normally. No, they, I think they wanted it to be like sixty dollars combined, like thirty dollars per night. 
so it just you know it just depends on on like I can remember who the cable it was Comcast it was Comcast that was that had it brought listed thirty dollars for night one and sixty for night two. So shocking that Comcast has issues. Isn't it? And then I think Verizon had two different price points. You could either buy thirty dollars per night or you could buy sixty for two for the two nights. So yeah, crazy stuff. But anyway, just get just pay ten bucks to get the WWE Network and watch it that way for good right. sake. Um, I mean, Jesus Christ, you're investing. You probably get it for free if you sign up right now. You're investing forty some hours into WrestleMania. You might as well get it for ten bucks. (laughs) You just went from fourteen to forty something. (laughs) All I know is it's going to be a long show. (laughs) So anyway, we'll be watching WrestleMania this coming weekend. We'll be talking about it on Tuesday, and you know, I think it's going to be interesting with the cinematic stuff they're doing. You know, the Boneyard match, the uh, the uh, Last Man Standing match. Uh, Cena versus Bray Wyatt. Um, Are they going like, to do that in a and like, bar? And like, I, I, maybe. And like Jeff said, um, Roman Reigns dropped out of WrestleMania. We didn't talk about it at all, but you know, good for him, good for his family. Um, and then Braun Strowman is stepping in there to take on Goldberg, which which I would imagine is means like Braun Strowman will finally win the world title we should have won two and a half years ago from goddamn Brock Lesnar. So. I- you know, and I, I did – that was one thing I did want to talk about tonight, but we kind of didn't. But um, the Roman Reigns dropping out and Matt Riddle stepping up and them just completely ignoring Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle stepped up and issued the challenge. I, I But I would have rather seen a Matt Riddle against Goldberg than somebody that – after We've the, seen how, fail the, multiple much times. Fish, Bobby Fish, Fish, when Bobby Fish could fish, <laughs> bullshit. Right. Matt Riddle, I have nothing. I have no use for the next, you know, until that bullshit stops. So. Fair enough. Right. I can't blame. <laughs> I can't. I can't fault you for that. So, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you tomorrow night about AEW Dynamite, and, and you know, if they if they talk about the t- the TNT title, we'll, we'll probably have some opinions on that. I know I've already oh. got some myself. Yeah, there's um, an eight man. There's an eight man tournament coming up for that. I literally just saw that. Um, on Thursday is MCLP Radio Adventure. On Friday, uh, Ms. Fan and Shane have been a- have been answering uh, Shane the Mystic, I should say, not me. Have been have been answering Ms. Fan's mystery mailbag, which is interesting. I haven't listened to these shows yet, but I bet you they're a bunch of damn fun. Um, and then we'll be back with you, like I said, to talk about WrestleMania next Tuesday. That's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights, and Jeff saying. Goodbye. G1 Climax 27. Goodbye. And good night.